Hi, this is Pastor Corey. I hope this podcast will encourage you, strengthen your faith, and most importantly, help you draw closer to Jesus. Thank you for listening. You know, we talk a lot about God's presence and where his presence is. And it's interesting because there's a lot of, uh, a lot of ideas out there. And sometimes I think we forget where his presence really resides. So that's what we're going to talk about is uh, the title for today's sermon is What's in the House? And how many of you have ever heard the phrase the house of God, the dwelling of God, the house of God? Okay, it's a pretty common phrase. Well, we're going to have some scripture here, but I'm going to first tell you a little bit of a story. In Genesis 28, there's a familiar story of Jacob having that dream. Uh, how many of you used to sing the song, We Are Climbing Jacob's Ladder in Sunday School? Oh, come on. Wendy and I aren't the only two that ever sang that song. There you go. So we used to sing that. But anyway, but you see in that dream that, that Jacob has is there's this ladder that comes from heaven, and it comes down to earth, and there's the angels are going back and forth between heaven and earth. And what's interesting is he's asleep. Remember, Jacob is asleep. God's standing above that ladder, and he hears God say, I am the Lord, your God. And then Scripture says Jacob wakes up. And so in Genesis 28, verse 16, I want to read this. It says, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. It's a pretty good observation, isn't it? The Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. That's interesting that after he sees that in that dream, that's where the conclusion he comes to. Surely God's in this place, and I didn't know it. God is here, and I didn't even know it. Let me ask you something. God is here. Do you know it? Do you know it? Yeah. God's here right now. You know what this tells me is that it's possible to actually be in the presence of God and never know he's there. You think about that. Because we, we've come to a place sometimes where uh, certain things have to be just right before we really think that we're experiencing God's presence. But we're going to find out a little bit later where his presence really resides. You know, I think about what, what a revelation, uh, that means God showing or disclosing something is revelation. I'm going to use that word today. We can be totally oblivious to the presence and work of God in our lives and all around us. We can totally miss the boat on that. And so we're going to talk about that. You know, I do want to clarify something. This, the house of God is not, okay, everybody here, is not the structure we're sitting in right now. It's not the structure. It's not these four walls or this cathedral ceiling, the lights, the fans, and everything else. And the heaters, which, I don't know, I'm warm. <laughs> They're working. They're working. So the house of God is not this structure by any means. This structure is merely the place that he has provided. It's a provision for us to gather together and hear from him and learn from him. You realize we could meet here. We could come into this building every day and still miss the presence of God. He's not in, it's not in these four walls. So where is the house? Where is God's presence? That's my first point here. 1 Corinthians 3.16 
If you have your Bibles, turn to that scripture. It'll be right up there on the screen. It says, do you not know that you, you, you are the temple or the house of the Holy Spirit of God, of temple of God and that of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you. So what does that tell you? It tells you it's not this building, it's you. It's each and every one of you. You really believe that? Okay. Then turn to the people around you and say, you are the temple of God. Go ahead, say it. You're the temple of God, yeah. That might be something new to a lot of people. And uh, you may not feel like you're the, the house of God or the temple of God. You may not feel like you're clean enough or good enough. That doesn't matter. He's made you clean. Yeah, <laughs> we'll never be there. Okay, Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. I want to read that for you right now. Now, therefore, you are, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having built, been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And you've heard Pat, uh, Pastor Corey share about how important the cornerstone is when you're laying out a building. That has to be just right, and then everything is built upon that. And Jesus is that chief cornerstone. But we're building upon him, and become, we become the, the temple of God. So what's this telling us? That means that every one of you that's a born-again born again believer in this room, that you're redeemed, you're saved, the temple of the Holy Spirit is in you, and you're the very dwelling place of God, not the building. You're, bring, you're bringing his presence into this room. 1 Peter 2, 5 says that you also, as living stones, are built upon a spiritual house. Build up, you are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we get to be those living stones. We're not just a bunch of dead rocks that we're being built upon. We are the living stones, and we fit together. And I don't know if you've ever looked at any old uh, structures that have a stone foundation or a rock foundation. Those rocks don't fit together right. You know, it starts to crumble and fall apart. And... That's another topic. It's called unity in the body, but we're not going to talk about that today. So anyway, but that's what that talks about there. So the house of God is us, correct? It's the heart of our very identity. You know, people talk about they have an identity crisis. Well, if you're a born-again believer, you don't have an identity crisis. You are a child, born-again child of God, and the Holy Spirit relies in you. You are the temple of God. Now, there's some identity right there. You may not be this big fancy building or whatever where you, you might see or whatever, but guess what? The Holy Spirit resides in you. You're the temple. And God wants a house, uh, a house where he will dwell, where heaven is open above us. Remember the ladder going up and down from heaven to earth? He wants us to have that open heaven. It's not closed till we get up there. It's, not, it's open. It's open for us right now. It's a house where we get to live or abide and take up residence with him, and we're connected in relationship with him through love and affection for him. He, he's the one, he's our fo main focus. 
God's waiting for a people who will live, who live the, the life he's called us to be. And that means we're going to take some risks. We're going to be taking risks. We're going to be tapping into resources, the resources of heaven that we've never have. And unfortunately, we've been sitting here idle too long. You know, I just read this morning uh, something I got, um, an email, talked about revival and how revivals in, our, in America tend to be last maybe two years and then the fires die out. And then you feel like, okay, but it's not until the church gets in a bad place then they realize they gotta have, we got to have revival. And it lasts a couple years and then it dies down. But I really believe that God is a revival for us that just doesn't end in two years. No, there's no time frame on it. And I think as we come to realize that we are the house of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit, that that will keep those flames going in us and in our hearts. Um, it's how, but, you know, it's how we function as the house of God is that we, we tap into those resources that there are up in heaven. And like I preached a couple weeks ago on earth as it is in heaven. You know, I think what's happened is, for some of us, we got our ladders, like the ladders Jacob saw. We got those ladders, and for me, my physical ladder is hanging up in my shop. I only use it when I need it. But I think some of our spiritual ladders that I'm talking about today, they haven't been used for a long time. And I think God is wanting us take those out, dust them off, Let's get him set up between here and heaven, and let's step up and into the area of supernatural power that's only in heaven. Yeah. And you know what? The fact that they're not being used, it's not God's fault. It's our fault. We're the only ones to blame. So to be the house of God, the temple, the dwelling place, we must, and I want to stress that, must access what he has made available to each and every one of us. There's not a person in this room that's a born-again believer that does not have full access to the things of God. You don't have to get to a certain place in your life. You have full access. So we need to, first one of the things we need to do is we need to set our hearts on being a house filled with God's glory and presence wherever we are. You know, like I said, this, is, this building isn't the, the house of God. It's us. So wherever you go, you know, Pam, wherever you go, you're taking the presence of God. You're the temple of God. And in today's world, you're probably the only house of God or temple of God that a lot of people see. But, um, but too many people have got it in their minds that you've got to come to this building. There's nothing wrong with that. We gather together. We come together in fellowship. That's critical. But it doesn't leave here. When you walk out the door, you take it with you, folks. It doesn't stay here in, this, in the seats where you're sitting. We don't pull it out on Sunday morning and, you know, put it on or whatever. And, uh, you know, part of being the house of God means we have this intimacy with him. And through that, through that intimacy with God, he's going to show you, um, how do I want to say this, um, deeper things, unknown things, the mysteries. You read about the mysteries in the word of himself and heaven to us. And until we ask him for that, he's not going to show it to us. Which brings us to my next point, which is revelation. And I'm not talking about the last book in the Bible. That's not what we're talking about here. 
I'm talking about what revelation is in the Word of God. Ephesians 1.17 says, I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, which is of insight and mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. You know, we talk so much about knowing, wanting to know God's will. And I'll use my wife for an example. She's not here right now. But um, I really, you know, I'm not saying this to brag, but, you know, we've been married 42 years. And, um, yeah, we married really young. Let me put it that way. We're really young. <laughs> no. And, um, but over those years... I look back, and it just literally blows me away how much we really know each other. It's just, it's just phenomenal. And I think that's just on this physical, human um, level. That's what God wants at a greater measure, beyond what we can ever think. And what revelation from God does is opens up these new areas in our lives, new areas of possibility, New areas of faith. I would have to say it's virtually impossible to live the Christian life without receiving revelation from God because you're just stuck there. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there's no vision or revelation, the people get out of control. Some translations say perish. But whoever obeys instruction is happy. The biblical word for vision in, in this section of Scripture, it doesn't mean your goals. A lot of times people think your vision is your goals. What do I want to do with my life? You know, when I was a little boy, I wanted to be a fireman. That was my vision. I, I could see myself driving the fire truck and putting out fires. That was my vision. That was um, my goal. Goals are okay. We need to set goals. We need to have those goals in our life. But the re revelation or the vision I'm talking to in this, it's a spiritual revelation that comes upon you and, you and unseen things, things you don't understand, may have never understood, are revealed to you. They're revealed to you. And... We have to work at seeing our present circumstances through God's eyes or what it says perish. I believe we will perish and weaken and perish spiritually in our lives. You know, so many people, they don't tune in to God's revelation, his vision for their lives. 1 Corinthians 2, 12 to 14, there's some scripture I want to read about that. It says, we haven't received the world's spirit. This is talking to believers. We haven't received the world's spirit, but God's spirit so that we can know the things given to us by God. There's that key. We've received the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, so we can know those things of God. These are the things we're talking about. Not with words taught by human wisdom, but, by wis but with words taught by the spirit. That's Holy Spirit. We are interpreting spiritual things to spiritual people. 
you know, be honest, if you went out and talked to a lot of people on the street about some things that we talk about, they kind of stand there with the deer in the headlights. Look, they don't have any idea because they're not spiritual people. But people who are unspiritual don't accept the things from God's spirit. It's not that they don't hear them. They just don't accept them. They totally reject them. They, meaning the things of God, are foolishness to them and can't be understood because they, the things of God, can only be comprehended in a spiritual way. I want to kind of give you an example of that. Do you realize right now in this room there's stuff going on all around each and every one of you that you don't see? You don't see it. There's movies going on. Music. Microwaves are floating through the room. Sound waves, electrical waves. Communications going on in this room. But you're not even aware of it, are you? Other than me talking, that communication. But you don't ever see that. We can't see that. Okay, how many have a cell phone or a device with them right now? Hold it up. Okay, how many of you have it on? <laughs> I'm not trying to get anybody in trouble. but um, So what we would say, if you have your, cell, your device and say you're online, guess what? You're connected. You're tapping into one of those unseen things that's going on in this room right now. We're bombarded by it daily. And you have the ability to, like, lock into those signals. To hook on to them, even though you don't see them. So what you hold in your hand is like a receiver. It's like a, some kind of fancy receiver. But without it, you can never know what's going on around you. You don't know what's going on, what waves are going through this room. You notice in 1 Corinthians 2 there, it says the natural or the unspiritual man does not accept or understand we could say receives the things of the Spirit of God. Just think of it in terms like this. You're sitting here, and you're wanting to hear from God. And you got your device on, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know somebody's online. They just said a, sent a message and said I missed a call from them, so <laughs> that's good. Anyway, um, that God, you know, God's communicating with you right now. But what if you, you, he was trying to send you a text. You were sitting there waiting for the text message from God, but he wants to talk to you personally on your phone. If you're looking, you're sitting there waiting for that text to come, waiting for that text to come, and you're going to miss the communication entirely. What we have to do, everybody, is we need to tune in to God's wavelength or we're never going to hear from him. And we do that through revelation, through those things that he shows us. And there's a good example in the book of Exodus. It's the children of Israel, of those that completely missed the signals. They got their wires crossed, everything. And I won't go into a lot of detail on it. We all know the story. They were in captivity in Egypt. God miraculously, you know, set them free. And uh, there's all these things happen. And what's interesting is one of the things to show his presence with them is he provided, provided the cloud 
by the daytime, during the day. He provided the day, the cloud by day, and the pillar of fire at night to guide them. He was leading them. He showed, they, they looked up and they could see in that light or in that cloud, they knew that was God right there dwelling with them. So they knew his presence was with them. And so they were following God's leading wherever he was taking them. And in fact, in Exodus, uh, beginning in Exodus 13, I believe it says, there's a phrase where it says, and it says they went out with boldness. As they left the land of Egypt, they went out with boldness. But because they had their signals crossed or whatever, they start looking around, and guess what? They see Pharaoh coming after him and his army, and they freak out. And what they do is they start doing the blame game. Who do they blame? Moses, the guy that brought him out. Why did you bring us out here to die? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? And I think sometimes we do that with God. He puts us into, we're in a situation that we don't have any understanding of it at all. And we start pointing the finger and say, God, why did you do this to me? Why is this happening to me? I didn't ask for this. Come on, I go to your house every week and put money in the bucket. You know, that should be enough for you, Lord. But it's not. But I love what it says, what the scripture talks about. When they start blaming Moses, they start pointing their fingers at him and blaming him for their circumstances. And Moses said to them, do not be afraid. Stand still. I don't know about you, but that that doesn't make sense when there's an army chasing you. You're going to stand there and wait for him to catch up with you? That's not what they want to hear. They're blaming him why they're out there. So it says, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. There's their saving right there. It's through the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. And when the Egyptians, when the Egyptians you see today, the Egyptians you see today, you're going to see them no more forever. The Lord is fighting for your peace. You know, when I wrote that down, first thing that came to my mind, there's someone in the house this morning that needs to take that in. You need to hear that. That whatever you're going through, no matter how bad your situation really is, take those words. Don't be afraid. Stand still. Don't run like a chicken with your head cut off trying to find answers. Don't run to everybody else. Don't get online and uh, try to get your answers. It says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. There, in that stillness is where the salvation comes. He's always there, but he ain't going to chase you down and grab you. You need to stand still and look for the salvation of the Lord. And it says, he's going to accomplish in it in you today. So whatever you're going through, I don't know who you are in here. I know there are several people that the Lord's telling me about that really need to hear this. You can walk out of here different. You don't have to leave, stay in this, leave this room in misery as, as you've in the misery you've come in. You know, and the Egyptians, I can substitute the word trouble. The trouble you see today, you're going to see no more again forever. But that's only because you have sought the salvation of the Lord and you've stood in that peace that he's going to give you. So the children of Israel weren't tuned in to God. So they totally missed God's plan for them. Moses was the only guy that had an idea of what was going on, and he failed at it sometimes. 
But they weren't even tuned in. They weren't receiving God's plan for them, which had been his revelation. They were looking at their circumstances. So Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Do each one of you realize in here that God has a specific plan for your life? Yep. And guess what? It's a plan for good. It's not for disaster. It's for good. It's for the future. And it's a hope that he gives you. So he has these plans that are set up that he's already established for them. He had those plans even established before you were born. I can't even wrap my head around that. That even before I was conceived in my mom's womb, God had my life planned out. But the key is, did I go my own way or did I step into his way? That's the key right there. You will know God's plan. You will walk in it if you pursue him. And his plan for you isn't just a lot, a lot of random thoughts he has for you. It's not willy-nilly or, well, I guess today, you know, I'm going you know, to bless Rachel today, but tomorrow I'll let her go out on her own, stuff like that. No, he has his plan for you, and it's a good plan. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 9 through 10 and verse 12, it says, That is what the scripture means when you say, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, or no mind has even imagined what God has prepared or planned for those that love him. Do you love the Lord this morning? Do you love God? And guess what? You've got that plan. He's got that plan for you. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. There's that revelation. He reveals them by the spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's dark deep, or deep secrets. I'm sorry, deep secrets. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given to us or planned for us. So you, from that, you can see that the Holy Spirit searches the things that we have never heard, the things that we have never seen. He searches out God's plan for you and for me. And he'll bring that plan to you at precisely the right moment. If you're listening and you're ready to receive it. How many of you have ever had someone come up to you and give you a word from the Lord, which the Lord revealed to them that, um, that really kind of lifted you up or gave you a, a confirmation for a situation? How many of you have ever had that? Someone come up and give you a word. Okay, that's what a revelation is. And I want to share a revelation that Brother Ryan gave me and I. It was about a month ago, I think, during worship. And he came up. And the word he was giving us it was about molehills. That doesn't seem like, oh, wow, that's, that's really spiritually deep, molehills. But, you know, at that time, I'll just tell you about some things that were going on in our lives. Um, both of our vehicles were on the fritz. Both broke down, one of them majorly. Um, my mother-in-law, Mia's mom, she's 96 years old, and she fell in her own home and broke her hip. 
and was in the hospital. Well, she's in rehab now. She's doing good, by the way. Praise the Lord. And, and on top of that, Mia was going to be starting back to uh, driving over the hill every day for school. And so here were these things out in front of us. But it was so encouraging because through that word from Ryan, from the Lord to Ryan to us, all we could say was, they're only molehills. They're not going to be those mountains. You know, we know, we, we, me and I believe we have the power and the authority to speak to those mountains and have them move, those mountains in our life. But you know what? If they're just that little bump in the road once in a while, a molehill, that's okay. That's okay. But that was a word of revelation. And, you know, it may, those, that word, it may not have been the total answer. You know, the, the revelation of God may not be a total answer for your situation or whatever, wherever you are at. But it can still lift you up and encourage you and strengthen you. That's what revelation from God is all about. And what you do is you just don't leave it at that. You take that revelation and you treasure it. You treasure what he has said. And that in turn build up, builds up that foundation. The foundation for greater revelation from the Lord. And you know what? It builds your faith. Because another way to receive more revelation is to obey what you already know. We're, we're, we're smart way beyond what we think, if that makes any sense. But um, we got a lot more going on spiritually than we really know. But obedience is the signal to God that says, hey, I want to go to that next step with you, Lord. I want to climb up on that next ladder rung. I want to get closer to you. I want to hear more from you. And that, that builds our faith. That builds that faith in us. And this is the, the, the next um, thing I want to talk about is faith. See, these things, the revelation and faith, these are two elements of what it is to be the house of God, to be inhabited by God. You know, as we receive these, this revelation from people, from the Lord... Our faith gets bigger. It's enlarged. It gets real big. And I once heard someone say that faith moves the economy of heaven. If you don't pray in faith, how are you going to expect to get anything from God? So faith moves the economy of heaven. We cannot afford to live on what we understand because we never really truly will grow and progress anymore. We just kind of go down that same road that we've always been on with our life. You know, God's calling us up higher. We need to grow. We need to expose ourselves to impossibilities, to those things that appear to be impossibilities in our lives that force us to have questions. God's not going to hit you over the head if you question him. That we can't answer those questions. That stretches our faith. It strengthens, uh, it strengthens our faith. You know, in our culture, if you use the word understanding, uh, a lot of people would say, well, that's, that's reasoning. That's coming to conclusions or fully comprehending or knowing something. What's interesting, and this is a way where our culture has kind of, some of the language is just not right. In Eastern culture, which is the culture of the Bible, understanding is an experience. It's not just 
knowing what's going on or a situation. It means experiencing it. And it means practical human experience. The biblical view of understanding means far more than to just give mental assent to it. It means that what we have to do is we put into practice what you've come to know through God's revelation. To understand also means to yield to something before you can explain it, define it, or even describe it. That sounds a lot like faith to me. Hebrews 11.1 says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is evidence of things we cannot see. And in the first part of verse 3, it says, By faith we understand. And here's a phrase. I just love this. I've got it in bold and underlined. So listen to this. We don't have faith because we understand, but we understand because we have faith. That's good, yeah. Understanding is not a requirement for obedience either. If I waited to do something until I fully understood it, it ain't going to get done. I can tell you that right now. I've got projects at home that need done. <laughs> A whole shop full of them. Um, okay, let's just say we were, talk, we were talking on, you know, we talked about revelation or something like that. And, you know, say someone gives God a revelation about caring for the poor in our community, and they get to share that with us, so many people, and other people say, oh, that's right. Awesome. That's something we need to do something about. And people get moved by their emotions and get excited about it. But nobody does anything. Weeks go by, days go by, nothing's done. Nothing's done. They don't even go out and find a family they can help. It's just, well, that's a great idea. There's no action put to that revelation. And it becomes nothing more than a good idea that we could do sometimes. And I think, unfortunately, there's a lot of good intentions sitting idle in people's hearts right now. Revelation is only going to take us halfway there. The experience is going to lead us all the way there. James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Hearing without doing is kind of like getting locked into this form that has no power to it, no substance to it. You know, it's like in Jacob's dream. God's calling us up higher, folks. He's calling us to live on earth as it is in heaven. So, as the house of God, remember, which is his dwelling place, we must be willing to receive his revelation or vision for us and through us, and we have to act on it in unlimited faith. Don't limit your faith. Never reject it. Don't deny it. Just put it into practice in your life. 